0: What is it about Lakewood Church? It's not just that it's arguably the largest megachurch in the United States. We are all riveted to news about it. And money falling out of a wall behind a toilet at Lakewood is only the latest chapter in the saga. I'm here today to talk about it with CityCast contributors Marcus Carter and Evan Mintz. It's Thursday, December 16th, 2021. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. All right, let's get started. Evan, tell me about the Lakewood toilet money.
1: (laughs) So, a few weeks ago, a plumber named Justin called into a local radio show to talk about doing work at Lakewood Church and discovering about 500 envelopes stashed behind bathroom tile and insulation. And in those envelopes was a bunch of cash, and checks. And he guessed that this money was related to a reported heist of (laughs) $600,000 that Lakewood had reported back in 2014. Supposedly, thieves had stolen this money out of Lakewood's safe. In addition to some credit card slips, authorities never disclosed how the safe was opened. And Mm -hmm. police today believe that these two things are connected. At the time when this heist happened, The church said that they're staffed around the clock by security guards and Mm -hmm. and an off-duty sheriff's Mm -hmm. deputy, and they were all there when this theft was discovered. Now, with this secret toilet money found, (laughs) uh, the the church uh, has said that, well, you know, this bathroom is a public bathroom, it's a single-use bathroom, and you can kind of push the ceiling tiles out of the way. So if you threw the bags of money, up there, it might have, like, fallen down into the walls. <laughs> and, like, oh, whatever. so you didn't need
0: tile skills. Right. If oh, it's trying wow. to right. figure this out. And so it's one person at a time. So it's not a male bathroom or a female bathroom. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, and, of course, you didn't have to actually be at the potty.
1: You could mm-hmm. be on the
0: other side of the wall.
1: Mm-hmm. But it does seem bizarre one way or another for $200,000 in cash and $400,000 in checks to go missing from a safe, uh, and then appear between the walls behind a body. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So I am fascinated by this, and I am just thinking it's like a TV show. I don't know whether it's like the church version of Succession or like maybe – Marcus, you were thinking scandal. It's like
2: a real life green leaf, like from <laughs> OWN, the Oprah Winfrey Network. Because, like, right before this, what was it—the PPP money thing? Then it was the Harvey thing. Mm-hmm. I just—it's always, it's Lakewood, always right? something. Let
0: me give a quick recap of those scandals. The PPP money thing—that was when the church had to return money that it had gotten because of the pandemic to the federal government. And with Harvey, Lakewood came in for a lot of criticism. Because after that hurricane, it did not open its church to people who needed to be housed temporarily. So, but that's not why you are paying attention to Lakewood, Marcus. Why are you? What is your connection to Lakewood?
2: My connection to Lakewood is my husband was a pastor of uh, St. Peter United here in Houston. He was a former member of Lakewood. In fact, he was on youth staff when John Osteen was pastor.
0: And that was Joel Osteen's dad, right? The founder? Okay. Yes.
2: Yes, the founder. So he was there, faithful servant um, on the youth staff around 13. He felt that he had same-sex attraction. He went to what was supposedly open and affirming Lakewood and went to the youth pastor and told him, and they immediately rescinded all of his duties from youth staff, told him he was not welcome to sing in the choir, and he needed to get that sorted out before he came back. And so my husband then had a downward spiral in his life, and then decided to go to seminary at Columbia University. And
0: that's a great place to end up after a downward spiral. Yes,
2: absolutely. Anyway. And now he's pastoring here at St. Peter United. But for us, Lakewood, while it serves as a huge um, pain in his life, I think for the both of us, Lakewood is a huge inspiration. Um, and
0: Marcus, you're the minister, the music minister at St. Peter. Well, right? I, I lead the music. And ministry, so, like you're yes. like. I know this about you. You are studying those Lakewood videos.
2: Yes, yes. For
0: what? For tips?
2: I watch them every Sunday because I like how tight their music program is. I like the experience they give. Little things like knowing to start a service with a big song and to engage people and to tell a story with the music. I'm just, I'm very inspired by the way that they have crafted the music and that worship experience. And I would say that in the new iteration of who saint peter is that's really who we, we model after
0: huh all right and evan you have visited lakewood right
2: uh, i have
0: and let's set this up you are not <laughs> a christian right
1: no i am jewish i will say that about every sunday morning uh, my wife and kids and i go over to my parents for brunch and we have bagels and lox and blintzes the whole thing <laughs> and my brother's Will rush to the TV to make sure they can catch Joel's opening joke every wow. Sunday morning. They love it. It's great. It can be hilarious. Uh, but my first big interaction with Lakewood Church uh, was visiting it back in 2006 to write a column about it for the Rice University newspaper. And I was prepared to be so judgmental and down on it and this like and that. Like you are
0: about everything, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. The world needs critics. And who am I to deny the world's
2: criticism? <laughs> to deprive the world.
1: Yeah. Exactly. But it was just so uplifting. Everyone was so nice and they made me feel good. And usually I kind of bristle at like religious iconography. Uh, but there weren't any Bibles or crosses or anything like except for in the gift shop. And even then, they were right next to the Razor Scooters. And, like, that's how you know it was 2006.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what did you think about the sermon?
1: One thing that stood out to me Mm -hmm. was how, like, Osteen told people, like, you shouldn't condemn people for their sin. Like, you have to be nice to them. That's how you change their heart, which honestly is pretty insightful. That is,
2: again, the veneer of Lakewood. Mm -hmm. But when you get behind the curtain, you Mm -hmm. find the condemnation and really just casting people down yeah, for yeah. who they are or really pointing out sin. I just, I find it fascinating that that's the venue.
0: So that's for LGBT. Is that for, like, okay, one of the things that fascinates me about Lakewood is how mm. racially diverse it is, which I don't see at a lot of other churches.
2: My husband was telling me that, because he was there through the John Osteen days, he said Lakewood is just the beginning of really the mega church movement. And he said that it was always diverse in a time where 11 o'clock hour in the 70s and 80s was very segregated.
0: So people used to say that the most segregated hour in America was 11 a.m. on Sundays?
2: Sunday mornings, yes. Lakewood was always diverse. Um, I think that the way that they did that was they figured out how to take music and add gospel parts to it that would attract a Black parishioner or somebody from a gospel background, but they were still doing praise and worship music because even now they're able to take these praise and worship songs and really just make them transcend church experience and it's really something there for everyone
0: so like i think it's so interesting that they are and this is baked in from the beginning they're welcoming to yes. people of all races yes. very intentionally and yet not to lgbt people it's not it doesn't go it that doesn't
2: down. i know that jill's in the past um on oprah and a few other places said that he doesn't feel like that's god's best and then when you get behind the curtain i've had a, I, I had a friend who was mm-hmm. over lakewood's youth choir they found out he was dating online other men and he was fired immediately they're a church that on the front end seems very open and welcoming and that all are welcome but i think it's when you get behind the curtain you find out who they are i think there's a caveat with it is if you're if you say that you're gay but you are abstinent or celibate i think that then you can serve from what i remember
0: but like okay it feels to me like Lakewood. It's still built on like the John Osteen days, that 1940s hellfire and brimstone fundamentalist thing that John Osteen did. And then Joel Osteen is just radically different. I mean, those welcoming sermons you were talking about, Evan, they feel to me more like Oprah. Well,
1: Joel got his start behind the camera working for his dad. And that's the thing that always stands out to me is that he understood like the camera eye and what's happening there. And he does such a good job of playing to that. And like knowing where his audience is, it's not necessarily just within the stadium. And it feels like that he really had some kind of foresight about where we are going as society and how we're interacting with each other, how you should be looking. And the only other person I could think of who really seemed to get that, who seemed to be so meticulous about how they were presented on TV was Donald Trump. (laughs) Who famously would like, watch videos of himself from the shows that he was on over and over again to try to get just right to make sure that he was presented well yep. on screen. Yep.
0: Okay. So Joel is also famous for preaching the gospel of prosperity, that feel-good Oprah self-improvement vibe, that take on the Bible that says God wants you to succeed.
1: When I was there, that's uh, something that really hit me, that if you are a good person, you will get a reward. And it's not the reward of everlasting life. It is the reward of maybe you'll get a job promotion. Hmm. Maybe you'll get money. god was a big ATM and now the money's literally falling out of the walls at Lakewood. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, the the man who found this money, he got his reward too. He got a $20,000 reward from Crime Stoppers. Apparently when this heist first happened, Lakewood gave Crime Stoppers $20,000 as a reward for you know, help them solve the mystery. And Justin has said some things in interviews that he's kind of disappointed that Osteen didn't mention him on the Sunday sermon. Wow. And then Lakewood <laughs> said, like, well, we've invited him to come in and we want to talk with him. But what really happens at Lakewood is what happens on camera. Yeah, that's oh, very that interesting. interesting.
0: So what do you all think the future of Lakewood is going to be? Marcus, have you thought about this any? Yeah,
2: I think that what Lakewood does is they keep reinventing themselves and kind of changing the game with worship and um church and so where I hope Lakewood goes at some point is to a place of being more open and affirming of the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. I would love to see them get to that place. I do think that the family has a big say in how Joel functions and so I think that there's stuff that he can't do at the moment but I'd love to see the that. family,
0: So the other Osteins. The
2: other stains yes. The family runs the church. There's no deacon board or anything. It's still very much a family business.
0: All right, Marcus, Evan, y'all know that we like to end these segments by asking what you are loving in Houston right now. Evan, you go first.
1: Oh, goodness. Um, All right.
0: Like, give... Should I go to Marcus? <laughs> All right, Marcus, you go. Let Evan think.
2: What am I loving in Houston right now? I'm loving my church, St. Peter United. I am loving the work we're doing. We're coming up on our friends and family Sunday this Sunday, and it's like ugly sweater, and it's just all the feels of Christmas. (laughs) And so, um, yeah, I'm loving my church right now.
1: What I'm loving right now is Houston's restaurant scene because Christmas is coming up and I do not celebrate Christmas, but my uh, sister is coming in town. And so the whole family is making many, many dinner reservations, including oh. Chinese food on Christmas. Love it.
0: Ah, Mint's family tradition?
1: Absolutely. And so we're just trying to hit up all of these different wonderful restaurants, including many that I have not even tried yet.
0: Oh, good. We are going to have to talk about that.
2: Definitely. Mm-hmm.
0: Next up, producer Farrell Gibbs is going to tell us what is going on in Houston. Farrell, what is a little bit of news right now? There's some news from your old stomping grounds today, the Houston Chronicle. Oh, what is my previous employer up to? They
2: have hired a new publisher, Nancy Meyer, recruited by Hearst while she was with the Miami Herald. She will be the first female publisher of the Chronicle when she starts in early
0: January. Oh, I saw that. I was blown away because... That means that the Chronicle is going to have not only a female editor, but a female publisher. That's right. And and also, it is wild how much the Chronicle has changed since when I first started working there about 16 years ago. If you had told me then that someday the editor-in-chief, Maria Reeve, would be a black woman and she would be joined by this publisher who was married to another woman, I would not have believed you. I would not have believed it possible that the Chronicle could change that much. So I am very excited about this news. That's it for today. CityCast has just launched in its fourth city, in addition to Houston, Chicago, and Denver. It's up and running in Salt Lake. So if y'all know somebody who lives in Salt Lake and would really love to be better connected to their city, tell them to go check out their newsletter and podcast. We will be back tomorrow, and we'll see you then. He is a beautiful human being. All that hair, all those teeth. If people bred you for the ministry, (laughs) that would be him.